the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So, sound doctrine can only come when we study the word honestly, okay? When we study the word honestly. When we take it for what it's worth. When we study it for all it's worth. Let me give you three tips on how to study your Bible to, to sort of emphasize this thing, okay? This is how you study the Bible. A quick hermeneutical study for all of us this morning. Number one, think micro, not macro. That's a little bit of a technical term. In other words, when you read the Bible, look at the big biblical picture of the teaching. Look at the big picture. Don't start with a verse and work your way out. Start outside and work your way back into the verse. Okay, if you do it backwards, you look at the verse and you don't see the entire big picture of why that verse is there in the Bible, you will misinterpret it. And when you misinterpret it, you will misapply it. That's just a a biblical uh, study, Bible study technique. You don't look at a verse and then look for other small verses and connect them together and then come up with your own doctrine. That doesn't work that way. You, you look at the big picture. Have you ever, I mean, before the days of uh, GPS, when you want to get to one place uh, to the next, you have to use a map. How many of you remember the map? Okay, those of you who raise your hand, you're old. And no more maps now, right? But even with GPSs, you don't type 675 East Taylor Avenue, Sunnyvale, California. And then just, just look at that map and just look at Taylor Avenue. You need to know where Taylor Avenue is. What's the next street connected to it? Of course, Fair Oaks. Wolf. Where is Wolf connected? Where's Fair Oaks connected? Well, it's connected to the nearest freeway is Central Expressway. You you, you start from the big picture and you hone in on the verse. It's called context. That's That's a good thing to learn when you study the Bible. Number two, you need to have an you have the understanding of the aim. AIM. What is the AIM? It's the author's intended meaning in the Bible. Now I am it. I, I'm, I'm taking the time to explain this uh, for our own understanding. AIM stands for author's intended meaning. There is only one correct interpretation of a biblical passage. There aren't multiple interpretations. You and I can't afford to interpret scriptures the way we want to. There is an author's intended meaning. In other words, what the author said 2,000 years ago and what he meant by what he said 2,000 years ago is the same meaning for us today didn't change. Maybe the application has changed. Maybe the circumstances have changed at the writing of that passage. But loved ones, the meaning of it the intended interpretation of it will remain the same. That's, when, that's how we can avoid all kinds of different arguments about what, what a certain passage means. Thirdly, 
everything you will read in your Bible right now and everything that you will discover are nothing more than insights and rediscovery. There aren't any new revelations in this book. This book is sealed. There aren't new revelations. And that's one of the things that, that, that sort of confuses the church right now. It's, it's confusing a lot of Christians because they hear one preacher say one thing and another preacher says another thing about the same passage of scriptures. How can that be? How can, how can God say something one time and say something different at another time? It just wouldn't work that way. What we discover when the scripture speaks to us is a rediscovery of what God has already said. And some of you may not agree with that. Some of you say, well, yeah, I received a new revelation from the Lord. Good night. That's why we have so, so many, you know, we have material right now that we're, we're encountering in, in, in the church. We're cults, probably more orthodox than, than our own interpretation. No, just, just insights into what God has already said. A rediscovery. We, we, we have uh, a close canon of scriptures. And, and men and women have spent their lifetimes understanding that God preserved his word. Not for just any one of us to interpret it the way it suits us. Okay, the, the, the fellowship based on the word, does another thing. And it brings worship in God's terms. Not only sound doctrine, but also fellowship that is based on the word looks at God's sovereign desire when it comes to worship. The Holy Spirit through God's word teaches us how to worship corporately. Not just individually. You can worship as an individual all you want. There's, no, there's, no, there's nothing wrong with your style of worship when you're, when you're at home, as long as it's dictated by the Word of God. We cannot approach the presence of God in our own terms. He decides how we worship Him. He dictates the manner of how we worship Him. If you read the Old Testament, if you read God's description of the tabernacle and how it's going to be done, I just praise God that we, we are free today. To just follow Jesus' teaching and for the Word of God to dwell in our hearts. Can you imagine bringing a goat on Sunday morning to slaughter? God demands specifically how He should be approached. What does it tell us? It tells us that we cannot approach God in our own terms. We cannot just come and say, oh, I'm going to worship God the way I feel like I, I want to worship God. That's not true at all. Our worship must be based in the Word, okay? That, that, that's how we are supposed to worship God. And, and in um, uh, Colossians chapter 3, uh, Paul gives us some kind of an outline of how we ought to worship corporately as a body of Christ. Colossians 3.16 let the message or let the word of Christ, Paul writes, 
Dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. So you want, you want some kind of a pattern, not a formula. This is not a formula. This is a pattern. You want a pattern of worship that is acceptable to God biblically. We look at the New Testament on how we ought to worship today, and it has... Uh, if we need to be faithful, if there's fidelity in the Word, and if the Word is binding us together, we also make our worship of God accurate by following the biblical patterns for worship. Okay? This, again, this is not a formula. This is a pattern. And it, it says it, 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 it lines, it, it, you know, it, 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 it describes it for us. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Speaks of preaching. Every church has to have a preaching. Because that's what, uh, the, the, that's where we get the wisdom from God. I know, you know sometimes preaching gets long, and winded and all of that, but it's necessary. You teach and admonish with all wisdom. And that's not, preaching is not the only vehicle by which we do that. It says psalms, hymns, and spiritual song from the Spirit. Singing to God. I think we're doing pretty good so far. We sang when we came in here. We prayed when we came in here. And we're preaching right now. This is nothing that anybody invented. The church has been doing this for over 2,000 years. This is nothing new. I hate to break that news to anybody. But uh, we've been given the pattern to worship. The Spirit then thirdly binds us together through the Word by conforming us to the likeness of Jesus. Okay, our, our worship service, our gathering, our community worship must show our sincere devotion to be Christ-like. Knowledge of the Word produces devotion to Jesus. How do we become Christ-like? Knowing God's Word. Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 23. It says, For you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of imperishable through the living and enduring Word of God. That's how we become born again. That's how we become Christ-like. We receive the Word of Christ. The Holy Spirit not only binds us by the Word, but secondly, the Holy Spirit drives Fellowship, driven fellowship, the Spirit of God, in, in, in a, rather in a Spirit-driven fellowship, the Spirit of God not only binds us, but builds the people of God by the Word of God. So not only does the Spirit bind us by the Word of God, but it also builds us by His Word. The second part of verse 16 in our verse is all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for what? Teaching, rebuking, Correcting and training in righteousness. How does the word build us up? It's outlined right there in that verse. Number one, through teaching. Didaskalos, that's the word. What else? Through rebuking. Elegmos, that's the word. Which means convicting and not condemning, okay? That's what that word means. What else? Correcting. Epanartosin, that's the word. It means we are restored in the right position. What else? Training. Paideia, which means to guide someone to proper living. All of these are what the Holy Spirit wants to accomplish through the word of Christ in our church. 
The Holy Spirit doesn't build us up by simply letting us quote promises and feel good verses to each other. But that's what, of, that's what we often do. You know? It has to go beyond that. We have to go in this coming year, 2023, let's get a little bit deeper and get more into to these, these aspects, these patterns of how the Spirit builds us up through the Word. Uh, let's, let's try to minimize... Um, you know, the pleasantries, uh, the quoting of promises, and the feel-good verses to each other. I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher, so I'm preaching to you this morning. Someone in the church lost their job, they're asking for prayer, and we readily pray and say to them, and my God shall supply all of your needs according to His riches in glory. A good thing to say, nothing wrong with it, amen? But what if the guy lost his job because he had a fight with a co-worker. What then? If you just say to the guy, and my God shall supply all of your needs, without telling him, hey, you lose your job. What's the reason why you lost your job? Now, it's another, you know, it's another thing. If the guy got laid off because the economy is bad, then you quote a verse, and then you know, you, we do all the nice things that Christians do to each other. But when a person you know, a Christian nonetheless, loses their job because they... Uh, they were in a fight with someone. Nice verses won't work. Amen. We, we, we got we to gotta do more than that. As a pastor, I always get the response. Oh, pastor, people with need don't want to be preached to. I get that all the time. Well, they're, they're having struggles in their life. You, you really shouldn't preach to them. You know what? Hey, sometimes we need to be taught the Word of God. Sometimes we need preaching. Why? Why is preaching and teaching necessary? For several reasons. We need to be built up so we won't make the same mistakes again, so we don't fall on the same traps the enemy is laying out. Amen? Why, do we, wh- wh- why does the word, how does the word build us up and what does it accomplish? Number one, it brings behavioral change. Teaching us the scriptures brings behavioral change. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. We have to hide this word in our hearts. That means we need to learn it. You receive teaching and I receive teaching to change our behavior to what is good. What, is it, what good is it if we hear the word of God but no change ever happens to us? I, I heard an illustration that's really great and I've been using it all this time. You know, some Christians are like they're walking on a treadmill. You know, They've been walking for miles and miles and miles and they never go anywhere. And sometimes that's how we are. We never really change. What else? The Spirit builds us up in the Word so that we can have a legitimate testimony. It legitimizes our testimony. Romans 10, 11 says, As Scripture says, anyone who believes in Him will never be put to shame. We have a testimony. Okay? We have a testimony. And we shouldn't put each other in shameful situations when it comes to our testimony as Christians. More importantly, we shouldn't put shame in the name of the Lord. The fellowship of believers is much more than just a gathering of people with like faith. We also have a common testimony to proclaim. You know, why do you think our country is the greatest country in the world? We have the biggest and wealthiest churches in this country, the best Bible teachers, the most articulate, articulate leaders, countless excellent resources, 
And yet, if you look at the world out there, there's so much godlessness. There's so much criminality. Our communities are a wreck. Our communities are a mess. What happened to the testimony of the church? What happened to the, the gospel that we proclaim? You know, when I, when I talk to pastors, you know, sometimes, you know, we get these pastors gathering. And the, only, the one thing that I always hear pastors say is, oh, we're having a revival in our church. We're having a revival, you know. And I say, what does that even mean? What the, what, what, how do we know we're having a revival? How, how do we know that the Spirit of God is moving? That there's a revival, that there's a spiritual awakening? How do we know that the Holy Spirit is moving the church? We know that there's a revival when God's people gather in the church and then they go out and live out and reach out for their faith out there in the world. All the true revivals in the history of the United States alone. I'm, gonna, I'm just going to uh, focus on that. Every revival that have happened in America was precipitated by a hunger for God's word. The Wesleyan revival when John Wesley came to the colonies. When that revival was sparked, it was precipitated by a hunger by the word. The Jonathan Edwards revivals, the Moody, the Dwight L. Moody revivals, the Billy Graham great awakenings of the 60s, 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. What's common about this move of the Holy Spirit? What's common? There's one common denominator. There was a hunger to know the word of God among God's people and to share the word to other people. What are the fruits of true revival? Number one, when there is a revival in a church, in a community, crime rate goes down. It's been proven that when there's a revival in the city, the churches are active, crime rate goes down. Divorce rates go down. Right now, the, the divorce rate among Christians is the same as the ones who are non-Christians. But when there's a revival, relationships get healed. There's a restoration of some kind, and it begins inside the church. We need to have that happen, and it begins by us having a fidelity to the word of truth. Thirdly, not only, or secondly, not only does it change behaviors, but it boosts confidence. Psalm 119.114 says, You are my refuge and my shield. I have put my hope in your word. So, the, knowing the word brings confidence in the fellowship. We know that the Holy Spirit is in charge of the fellowship when our confidence rests on God's word alone. Alone. The will of God is more important to us than the circumstances we face. And the situation we, we face is lot, a lot less important than what God wants to do in the inside of our hearts. The body of Christ simply have no choice on the matter. We are slaves of Christ. The word is duolos. We are bond servants of Jesus. We are slaves to his will. Our confidence is not in what we are able to do, in not our talents, not our abilities, not our bank accounts. It's in knowing the word of Christ and following the will of Christ. The Holy Spirit binds God's people by the word of God. He builds God's people by the word of God. And finally, the Spirit of God brings boldness to God's people. To serve God through the word. Service is the ultimate reflection of our fellowship. Look at the uh, final uh, verse in our text. It says, All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped 
for every good work. It is the Holy Spirit who equips us to serve God, and He does it through the power of the Word. Anybody can serve God, but not everybody can serve God with boldness. Again, this is the work of the Spirit in our lives through the Word of Christ. What does it mean to serve Christ? And why do we need to be bold? Um, I remember the, the 90s when the, the seeker-sensitive movement was in its, its um, uh, summit, you know, its, in its greatest influence. The, the seeker church movement uh, has come and gone. And nobody, nobody's talking about that anymore, you know. In fact, the leaders of that organization um, kind of disappeared. But it still has a stronghold on the church today. Even today, we hear things like, in order to succeed as a church, we need to be relevant to the world. We, need, we hear buzzwords like, we must reach people and not repel people. These are non-biblical models of outreach. We must reach people rather than repel people. Who wants to repel people? But the cross is a stumbling block. The death of Jesus on the cross is scandalous because he died precisely because we don't want to reach out to God. That's why God reached out to us and sent Jesus on the cross. It's the opposite. But we hear things like, you know, you need to water down the, the gospel. You shouldn't you stay away from controversial subjects. People already know uh, what they need. They don't need, any, uh, they don't need any more of the Word of God. Let me tell you something, loved ones. What the world needs now, it's not love, sweet love. What the world needs now is the Word of Christ, the truth, the unblemished, uncompromised Word of Christ. The world out there will never like us. Jesus says, don't Marvel that the world hates you. Remember, it hated me first. Why are we so intent on the world loving us? No, we need to love them, but we can't expect the world to love us. We can't. Jesus already said that. That, that the world will not love you, so you might as well love them by telling them the truth. And when we are called to serve Christ, we are called to embrace the Word, not the world. Our call is to be separate from the world. Unless the Spirit gives us boldness, it will be very difficult to escape the corruption of this fallen world around us. In fact, it will be impossible. Why? Because it takes boldness to stand for truth. Can I hear an amen on that one? Ephesians 6.14 says, Stand firm then with a belt of truth buckled around your waist. This is not a suggestion. This is a command from scriptures. We need to be bold in standing up for truth. There are certain things that we must never, never compromise as Christians. There are certain hills that we need to die on because Jesus said they are truth. If it's contradicting the word, we need to reject it. It takes boldness to sharpen our thinking. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even the dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It just judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So the Word of God sharpens our thinking because the Spirit of God deals with the heart. It takes boldness to think biblically. 
But God's Spirit helps us sharpen our sharpen us through our knowledge of the world. And it takes boldness to soar through trials. Without the Holy Spirit and the Word, we have no power to live for Jesus in this world. It's pure and simple. So 2023, it's time that we really take seriously what it means to be in fellowship and why we're doing the things we do. I'm not speaking this morning to condemn anyone or to make anyone feel that they are rejected. The truth is, love compels us to say to everyone that unless you are born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And you and I want people to come in. Amen? That's our business. We are in the business of reaching out to people, not by being loved by them or being embraced by them, nor by embracing what they have to bring, but by standing firm and being bold about what we know to be true. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.